Welcome back to Baytown Engage. Today we sit down with Angie Valencia. You are a mom, educator, and COVID survivor. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. So please tell me and tell everyone, how has COVID directly impacted your life? When I found out that I had COVID and being stuck in the house, that was really difficult. I was teaching. My husband was also working from home. Well, we had convinced, we had to do some convincing to get him to work from home. But he started working from home and then also with my three kids who were also in school. So they were doing their schoolwork at home. So it was a lot of juggling, a lot of stuff up in the air all at once. Um, And I think that was probably the hardest part was just trying to keep it all together. Right. Because you started with you had spring break. Right. Thinking like, okay, and you teach kindergarten. So I want to make that clear. So you had spring break and then all of a sudden you're not coming back from spring break. And then you find out eight weeks left of school. So now we have to do things virtually or online. Right. And was that hard? Yes. And this was my first year teaching. So all of the things that come up at the end of the year were all brand new to me. You know, there's a lot of grading, a lot of reports, a lot of different activities that come up at the end of the year that I was doing for the first time mm-hmm. all by myself without the support of, you know, well, with the virtual support. But right. it's, it's still very much you feel like you're on your own a little bit doing that. So that was kind of that was definitely a task trying to do all of that for the first time. But the biggest thing, the biggest stressor was just basically, like you said, we went for spring break and then all of a sudden you're not coming back right. and the kids aren't coming coming back and you know you're not going to see them again. A lot of the times, you know, people will move. They go on to different schools. And, you know, when you left them, you're like, yeah, I'll come back. You're going to we're going to see you and we're going to have a great end of the year and it's going to be amazing. And then all of a sudden, no, no, we're not going to see each other ever again. And you feel like you're lying to your students. Exactly. Because you teach kindergarten. So they're young, impressionable. You're like a second home for them. Right. Mom figure. And And, uh, one of the big things is that uh, tear away from the routine. So it's like they were coming to school every day and they had the routine for so long and then all of a sudden it's all up in the air right the kids don't know what they're doing parents don't know what they're doing and nobody really knows what's going on as far as the foreseeable future we can't hardly make any plans and so you can just imagine i mean we feel as adults we feel just kind of thrown to the wind right Rug we don't know where we're going yes and so you can imagine what that would do to a five-year-old absolutely you know so that is that to me i'm just so amazed that the kids were so resilient and they were able to get through all that because that has got to really take a toll on the you know mentally trying to adjust and not understanding so, fully right so you're teaching kindergarten which is age four or five years old uh, five six five yeah. six and you have three young kids of your own under mm-hmm. the age of 10 right that you have to take care of now as well yes. and your youngest is two yes i have a two a seven and a nine okay so you're at those ages where they're very impressionable they need your attention they need understanding and you have your students that need your attention and right. understanding on top of that parents who are like emailing you like I don't know what to do oh yeah well see and that's the big difference is you go from having a scheduled work time where you have a designated conference period and all that and you still did when it was virtual when it was online they would say here's your conference time but I mean really realistically that's that's not going to happen because we're all on different schedules at that point you know school was kind of going on whenever you could do it Mm -hmm. so if a parent could get to their kids homework at nine o'clock at night and had a question are you going to put that off are you going to answer it or you know and that's up to the teacher's discretion. Now, I, I try to answer things as soon as I got them because I do understand it was like parents, some kids are in daycare, which right. that one, that in the beginning, I know that they shut down eventually, but kids that were in daycare at the time, they had a lot of trouble and they struggled because parents just couldn't, didn't have the time to sit with them. And of course, the daycares are not going to 
make sure that because your kids that are doing time, their online homework. Right. And at that time, some people were still going to work. Right. That's and then true. now they're out of school. So what do you do with your children? Because this, they usually go to daycare or school and then daycare. And then I pick them up. Right. So with all of that, the adjustment was hard, even more so for you because you actually got sick. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually, yeah. What it was is I started feeling some symptoms. I had some muscle aches and pains. And at first, I was like, just tell my husband, oh, can you go get those like those little pain patches right. and different things like to try and get rid of this muscle pain and it's got to be stress you know it's mm-hmm. all in my shoulders then I started having a little bit of the tr- upper respiratory stuff where I was having some trouble breathing so I went to the urgent care once and they did an x-ray and they didn't find anything and so they sent me home and they said I had an upper respiratory infection so at that point I was kind of relieved I'm like okay it's just this it'll you know it'll get better it'll be fine eat a lot of soup <laughs> and it'll <laughs> be good. Vitamin C, you yeah, know and it'll be fine but then about a week later, I was having a lot of hard time, like a lot of struggling breathing. And I really noticed it when I think it was my husband, he had went to the store and it was kind of in the evening. So I was putting my kids to bed and I went, tried to go upstairs to tuck in my daughter. And I remember it was hard walking up the stairs. I went really slow. I tucked her in. But by the time I started coming back down the stairs, I felt like I was going to pass out. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was pretty rough. And so, and it scared me because I thought I was going to black out and just be there stuck. Right. (laughs) But so when my husband came home, I just decided I'm going to go to the urgent care and, and take another look at this. And they did did a CT instead of the x-ray this time and they were able to see it on the x-ray that I had pneumonia in both my both sides oh my god the, the double pneumonia so and that was the reason why I was having so much trouble breathing I wonder if they had did that initially would they have caught it soon enough to at least give you some kind of antibiotic right to help you know I mean that is that's something I did think about is that why with all of everything that was going on would you diagnose me with an upper respiratory and send me home for a week yeah. but I think during that time the confusion was high <laughs> yeah definitely you know that's I think at that time we were just saying just wash your hands just yeah wash your hands or touch your face and now it became within a week of that to no distance stay in your house leave people alone right so. and I I mean, it's, and too, as far as healthcare workers are concerned, I mean, they see this kind of stuff all the time, all the cold-like the symptoms. So mm-hmm. it's probably not uncommon. And they're just thinking, okay, we'll just, you know, go home and ride it out kind of thing. So, But I'm glad you at least were around your family and you had people with you yes, because so many people don't have that. But difficult for you being an educator, first-year teacher, your students need you, the parents need you, right. your kids need you, your husband needs you, and now you're sick. Yeah, that was rough. Which means was really you've been around rough. your family now the whole entire time sick when they tell you it's just this when it was much more right so now the worry as a mother have I gotten my family sick oh yeah definitely and so um, one of the things we did is they well basically the county had to get in touch with me so as soon as the COVID test came back positive the county got a hold of me and they had to contact me every single day and track my symptoms and then they I was basically on quarantine and I had to sign all kinds of legal documents saying that I would not leave my house you know or you know and there were stipulations and consequences if I did and so we had to sign all of that and turn all of that in and they basically like okay you have to stay in your room and be away from your family kids and everything just quarantine yourself and you're basically in my bedroom so that's what I did and that was really hard because having little ones right they would stand at the door and say mommy I need this mommy I want that and you want to just get up and go do it but you can't and you can't hug them you can't be near them was that hard for them to understand that you the little one it was it was Mm -hmm. really hard so she would throw tantrums a lot of the times and you know my husband would bring her to the door to the bedroom but you know I didn't dare get into you know that close with her or anything like that but she always wanted to lay with me she wanted to you know they want to be on you and you know so you stay 
stay in your room the whole entire time? Like for four, like fourteen days. So he had to bring you food. Yes. Oh, like did he have to put us out the door like to walk? Yeah, it was just yeah, it was like it was like being in kind of like a mini cell, I guess. Absolutely, prison bedroom. Solitary confinement. Yeah, Yeah. solitary. That's what it is. Well, I mean, I had my phone. You have social media and y'all all of that. We had our, of course, all the meetings with you know our staff meetings and things like that. So you're still able to work a little bit. Yeah. Oh, I I worked the the whole time. The only thing I did ask for help for some of the teachers to help me keep monitor like parent questions right. and give feedback because at one point I was sleeping like nonstop because I mean you're just so weak you know and, you're, and there's no medicine they can give you for that right they, well basically when when I when they said okay you have COVID and he sat down and he was really solemn about all of this the doctor you sat right next to me and he said you know we can do some experimental stuff there's medications that might help um, you can go into the hospital if you want or you can choose not to so it's basically kind of up to you so it's kind of like pick and choose your care like what do you want to do <sighs> and so I said well you know can we just do an antibiotic or something he said sure and he just wrote me you know, wrote me a prescription for the Z-Pack, azithromycin, which is like a common antibiotic. I think I've taken that one before. But yeah, so he was just kind of like, okay, these are your, these are your options. And so oh, man. I just kind of picked one and went with it. <laughs> How hard was it now that the stress is even heightened now? Like you're an educator, you're teaching, you're a mom, now you have COVID. How long were you down? Until you, I mean, how long was it was before you started feeling, actually feeling better? It was a good month. Mm. It was definitely a month. So after the 14 days, they started kind of asking me, okay, well, what are your symptoms? Symptoms, and I started to kind of feel a little better. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I think I'm doing good. But then it was maybe two or three days after I started feeling better and kind of telling them I felt better, all that muscle pain started coming back. And it was so bad, I could hardly move. And I had to go to the urgent care once more. And they had given me some pain medications and things for I had a lot of muscle pains in my chest and in my upper back and in my neck. Um, and so that was really worrying, especially at that point. I think in the news they were coming out with, oh, well, if you had had COVID, there's chances you could have all this other stop I think stroke you're high high risk for stroke or something like that a lot of that going on in the news so that was kind of scary but after I think it was after basically a full month I started to feel kind of back to myself I was able to move around Um, I had some muscle weakness but I was much better after then what other challenges did you face with COVID and isolation? I know you had a death in your family. I did. I did. So during COVID, my grandmother got pneumonia and um, she had kind of been battling pneumonia off and on. She had a COPD. Okay. Um, so it was something that was pretty common. She'd be hosp- She's been hospitalized for it before. But this time when she went into the hospital with it, they basically said, no, she's going to have to be put on hospice. Mm. So this time, my mother decided that she would bring her home. So they doing hospice at home at my mother's house. But at that time, we weren't, everyone was completely quarantined. Nobody was going to visit family or anything like that. So I just kept saying, okay, well, you know, after this quarantine's lifted, I'm going to come visit. You know, the doctors were saying she could be on hospice for a while. It didn't necessarily mean that, you know, she had a week or a month. She could have been six months right. on hospice. But it ended up being only three days. So she passed three days into hospice. And it was hard because you wanted to, I wanted to kiss her and hug her. And, and you can't do any of you that. You can't. And even after she passed, you know, it would have been nice, like, to go to a viewing and, you know, put your hands on them, give them a kiss and kind of say goodbye. And I, you know, I got pictures over my phone and we watched the funeral live on Facebook. I did. We all did pull up in our cars and we kind of parked around the cemetery road. And there were only allowed seven people at the actual funeral site. So it was 
kind of far off in the middle. You could see a tent and you could see flowers. And then you had your phone with the live Facebook feed. And so you were just kind of listening to what was going on, kind of waving at family (laughs) and friends in other vehicles. And the other part of that, consoling other family members and being there for each other, that's just taken away from you completely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so that's that's been really hard for me, especially she was, my grandmother was really, and I were really close. Uh, She lived across the street from me the majority of my life. Oh, wow. She was, we called her grandma across the street. (laughs) (laughs) That was how we called her. That's cute. Yeah, so. So so let me ask you this. With everything now opening up slowly, we're now thinking 50% or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And the kids are now out of school now, finally. Right. And they're opening up the city more and more. What fears do you hold on to still now with the situation? And how do you see yourself handling your students and kids moving forward? So there's a lot of stress, um, especially for teachers thinking about going back to school and what that's going to be like. I know that there's a lot of rumors and a lot of um, speculation Mm -hmm. as far as that goes. Desks six feet apart, you know, kids wearing masks and, you know, not having arts and specials or are we not going to have, you know, gym and recess? Right. Those sorts of things. And so I know everyone is really concerned with that and how that's going to affect their students. I know now for summer school is that we are doing the six feet apart and masks um, and they are uh, suspending recess during summer school. Um, but this is only for a two-week period. Um, and it may change after And it that. may change. You know, everything is always changing. So even though this is what I'm hearing now, summer school doesn't start till July, so there's still room for things to change. It's kind of everybody's on a day-to-day basis, pretty much. That's how it's been. Is like every week you're waiting to hear something different right. as they open up more and more and right. people get more comfortable and either still take it very seriously or they don't take it seriously. Right. School starting in the fall. So what do you think may be the I mean, look it, of fall for you? I have a feeling that it's going to be very similar. I think it's going to take, and it should, I mean, we are should be extra safe with our kids and staff and everything. We don't want to get anybody else sick and we right. don't want any kids having, you know, getting sick uh, if we can help it. So I feel like a lot of what we're going to see is going to be the masks, you know, definitely probably a lot of the spacing six feet apart. As for specials, art and all of that, I hope they don't get rid of those. I know that that's been one of the things that they've talked about just because they want to keep kids in one classroom all day to limit their exposure to other people in other places, right? right? Which does make sense. But there's got to be a way that we can still include all the different specials. Like you need art. creativity just to kind of, you notice right. that with the with everyone being home and isolated in some way, we've all found different ways to have an outlet because the kids can't sit by on a computer all day and do schoolwork. Right. You have to be creative. So I have friends who've been on nature walks or been doing the virtual museums that they had online Absolutely. or doing the story times online, whatever it is, the kids need some type of energy to release. Right, so. right. I mean, the things like gym where we learn how to keep our bodies healthy, keep moving, all of that, and art where we have to learn to think outside the box, right, which is critical thinking. I think one of our most crucial elements to education, Mm -hmm. you need that in every single subject. Absolutely. Not just one subject so and definitely in music and all of that we we need to be able to express ourselves and feel like you know that there's something worthwhile and hopeful and yeah hopeful some yeah. some way to express ourselves while we're in school so I hope that we can continue to keep all of that in the curriculum I know it's going to be a challenge we have to think outside the box as educators mm-hmm. you know how can we bring everything that we need to for our kids to have a holistic education and not leave anything out but also keep everyone safe so, so. do you fear I know there's always in the news talking about a second wave of this happening. Right. 
Are you fearful of that? Or do you feel that we've already had phase one? You're better prepared if something happens again in the fall. No, I, well, I guess the main thing that I would be afraid of is that people become relaxed. So we've heard it so much and there's so much talk about COVID. A lot of people have had it already. People will become kind of, I guess, pacified or kind of relaxed thinking that, oh, well, we have our masks. We've been washing our hands and that's all we need to do and we're good. You know, so we still need to stay vigilant as far Absolutely. as taking care of ourselves and watching the data, you know, and trends as far as COVID cases go. So I hope that people don't just become kind of complacent. Absolutely. Yeah. So let me ask you this. What are your opinions on how Baton has handled COVID and the citizens here and just local government, how we've handled keeping everyone safe? What are your opinions on that? The most that I can speak of is from the school district. And I think they've done a pretty good job as far as staying on top of everything. You know, they've been really proactive mm-hmm. and they haven't really been waiting to see what other people are going to do. They've been really going out there and saying, OK, we need masks. And this is, you know, we're going to do the lunches. Of course, the school with going virtual so quickly, all of that. So I have to give them credit for that. They did an amazing job. As far as like businesses and things, I've noticed a lot of them are, some of them are wearing masks, some of them aren't. It's not really, I guess not everybody's on the same page as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. And so not sure how that's going to work because if you can wear a mask in one place and not wear one in another. It makes it rather or, confusing and yeah, causes problems. Yeah. And not just confusing it. It feels like, okay, we'll just, if you're only going to wear the mask partially and not fully, you're not going to really do what you want it to do. It's right. not going to work. Right. <laughs> you have to be fully committed if you're yeah. going to do it. So that kind of is a little up in the air, but I think people are getting kind of tired of getting being stuck in their houses. We're very social people. Yeah. We need to be out. We need it's to hard. talk to people. It's it very is. hard. And so as soon as everybody starts to let up, everybody just floods out. They're like, yes, I have to go. I have to. We're like and children. Like, yeah. Stop. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> and I can't blame them. You know, no, we're just, yeah. we're social creatures. We, yeah. We, we, <laughs> we need to be around each and other. And that's the biggest issue. Well, not the issue. That's the biggest thing with all of this. You know, when you're told you cannot... Oh, yeah. Makes it even more. What do you mean I can't? Yeah. Oh, watch me. Yeah. yeah. Like, I can't. And then, oh, yeah. oh, you're serious. None of us can. Not just us in Baytown or, no, the whole world can. Right. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, well, I can't. What do I do? And then you're trying to find ways to entertain yourself. And then some people, their children and their spouses. Yeah. And like you said, once you get with that inch of you can't, oh, you're, you're running out. We saw it for different holiday weekends. It's like they're out the door. Oh, yes. They're at the beaches. They just want to. <laughs> I just need to get away. Get away. I think we're not thinking first right now. We're just all about freedom. Uh (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then it's like, okay, let me reel this back. And with it being summertime and the kids have been cooped up for so long. Oh, my gosh. They need an energy release completely. Yes, they do. Completely. Oh, well, that was one thing that, that, you know, the daycare started to open back up. This is when when talking about, but the daycare started to open up and they started to open up just at limited capacity. And so parents right now, they've kind of been fighting for spots in daycares. That's hard. So this is, it's going to be an issue, I feel like, especially when, I know a lot of people are back to work now, but when everybody starts getting back to work and you have to find a daycare spot, it is going to be hard. And that's going to be be difficult because I know, I think you told me they were doing, they were open for a while because they were open after the schools closed. Right. Yeah. Then they closed because they had to, and then they opened back up for the essential workers and your husband's essential and you're essential, of course, because you're an educator. And so if you pull your kids out, you lose your spot. 
spot. Yep. So, but you kind of had to. So, if you weren't essential, yeah, you, you had kind to of lost your spot. Right. And then trying to find that spot again, especially if you have more than one child. So, I mean, because I'm afraid to take my kids out. I have three, and if I try to pull them out, I mean, chances of me finding another place that will take all three of them. It's gonna be difficult. It would be very hard. So instead of getting that break during the summer where we weren't having to pay for childcare, we're still paying four hundred dollars every single week to keep them in daycare all summer. <laughs> Did you say four? Yes, yes. Yeah, it's and see that's the hard thing because so many have lost their employment or they're furloughed. But oh, when are you going back? Right, they've lost their benefits because or plant workers who are on unemployment, which we have a lot of those. Here. Yeah, because they're yeah. they're not letting any contractors in. Right, and so now the added expense of that oh, and yeah, daycare, we already know it's expensive anyway. And the younger the kids, the more it costs. The crippling. It's it's a, it's a mortgage a month. It's, it's yes, basically it's, it's, it's two it's house a, notes. If you have kids in daycare, if you have more than one or an infant, because infants or more expensive. Right. If you have any of that going on and it's basically like you have two mortgages. It is. And mm-hmm. then with the economy the way it is right now and we're slowly opening up and everyone wasn't be- didn't have the benefit of keeping their employment. It's hard. Oh yeah. It's yeah. like another added headache. First, you had, oh, my kids are home now, right. and I have to go to work. Okay, now I'm not at work, working remotely, but I have to help my kids with homework, which is out of my whole ministry completely. And then their frustration, trying not to get anyone sick or yourself sick, and now... Oh, it's just so much. You know, you're li- <laughs> some people were furloughed or working from home and then got laid off in the middle of it. And now the expense of trying to at least maintain daycare, the stresses are going to be there for quite some time. Oh, yeah. People are going to feel this for a long time. And it's going to set a lot of lower income families. It's going to set them back really far. Yeah. If they didn't, if you didn't have a nest egg or if you don't have family to help you and support you, there's a lot of people out there that just basically paycheck to paycheck and they're barely making it as is. So you can imagine what something like this would do for them. It's totally crippling. I mean, it, it would set you back years. You yeah, know? And absolutely. So that's, yeah, that's and that's a lot of one of my worries. I know Asheville Smith, you know, in the area that we serve, there's a lot of families that are going to be going through that. And so that is going to be something that's going to be very difficult as we move forward in the next school year. And hopefully this is going to be the end of it. And we're at an up building and we're going to because it's amazing the support that you see on the other side of it. People still doing food drives for families or clothing drives or just trying to support each other, which has been. Absolutely. I love to see that because we're all in the same boat right now. Exactly. And I love all the little videos and then the morale videos that everybody does online. They're amazing. And so, um, in fact, my husband was doing one of those. He got upset because he got cut from the video. (laughs) But yeah, so those are all amazing. And so it's nice to see that kind of the community coming together in that way. Thank you so much for listening to Baytown Engage. Be sure to subscribe to our show on Podbean, Apple, and Spotify. Stay tuned.